Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless, whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to double your cash. You play, you win, you get paid. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. Robert here along with Dustin. And uh, it's it's not quite the episode we had last week. It's, it's a little sadder. It's a little sadder, a little bit more downtrodden. No Blue Chew ad today, so that's like a little bit disappointing. <laughs> but my book is great as well, I guess. Dustin had a great joke. I had a great joke. It. I had a great joke. I'm going to save it though, just in case we, uh, we get Blue Chew back. It might still be applicable later in the season, it the way be. this is going. Yeah, the, the team's shots need some Blue Chew to help them get up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so UVA, a rough week for college basketball here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You know, we felt pretty good last week when we recorded. We talked about the Virginia Tech game, how this team looked good, how maybe that was a bit of a turning point. Well, that wasn't the case. Loss against Boston College, loss against Syracuse. Virginia was number 18. They're definitely going to fall out of the top 25 definitely next falling. week. It's going to be, you know, unfortunate. That's just where this team is, and that's what Dust and I want to do today is, you know, we don't want to drag you through kind of the the highs and mostly the lows of the past week, but hopefully provide a little bit of context as to what's going on, you know, both right now and kind of how the broader, how this team came together, you know, the transfers, the recruits, the players that were there and left. Hopefully we can provide just a bit of context of how this team is constructed, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily excuse the losses, but it kind of points to explain, you know, what's going on right now, and really whether or not this Virginia team this season is going to be able to rebound. So I, I guess we can start with Boston College, Dustin. Is yeah. there anything, you know, that stands out from that game? I know it was a couple, it was a while ago at this point, a couple of days earlier in the week, but anything that really stood out for, to you from there? I mean, the things that stand out the most is that Kihei did not hit a shot from inside the three-point line. He was two of 11 in total, and he was two of two from three. That means he missed all nine of his shots inside the arc and really notably um 
at least eight layups were missed. And I know that he's at a disadvantage because he's definitely shorter than everyone else. However, he's got to know that if he's going to take it inside the lane. And if he's going to take it inside the lane, um, pass it out or hit a floater or something. But missing those layups is costly. And we lost this game by seven points. Uh, it was a lot closer, actually, until right at the very end when we started to foul. Yeah. But but missing layups is tough. And, you know, that's something that Braxton's worked on a lot this season, uh, finishing around the rim. He, he played, he's been doing a lot better this season with that. However, you know, it just wasn't cutting it. Bad three-point shooting, again, you know, this is something that, and we're going to talk about this with Syracuse again, you know, three of 16 for 18.8%, really bad. Uh, we were in foul trouble this game, too. Jay Huff actually fouled out. We had 18 fouls in total. 10 turnovers, which is better than usual, but still not great. Much more than we had usually all of last year. Last year, we averaged like eight or something like that. So it was we were really good at not turning the ball over last year. This year, it's been one of our you know, biggest weaknesses as well. And I think also something that's notable is a lack of depth off the bench. Um you know, we see that Casey started but only had 12 minutes. Tony said that he was a little bit sick, but he was still, you know, 0-4 from the field. Didn't give us much of one steal, one rebound. And, you know, Justin played for 11 minutes. Jay Huff played 18 minutes. Kafaro played four. Coleman played six. And Wolotensai played eight. But we're not getting much out of our bench players. We only had five points off the bench. And together, our bench missed five three-pointers, as well as missing you know, eight other shots. And that's not to say that they can't play good basketball, but they just haven't been producing the way that we need a bench to produce. You know, like last year we had a great bench. We could bring Braxton Key off the bench. We brought Jay Huff off the bench sometimes. Jack Salt would come off the bench. Mm-hmm. But we were not we're not able to do that this year. And there's just a lack of scoring in general. I think one thing that's important to emphasize is we're effectively halfway through the season. You know, it's 30 games season. We're 11 and four right now. We're 15 games in. That's we're halfway through the season and we don't really have a consistent starting lineup yet. And even when we do roll with guys, you know, they're not the same guys each week. You know, even if you're doing the same starting group, one game, another guy's playing a lot more than the other. You know, Casey Morsell went through a stretch where he was playing more minutes and then Cody Statman went through a stretch when he was playing more minutes. It's you're still trying to figure this out. Jay Huff started yesterday, but then Kafaro comes in and you know, McCoy's playing like kind of strange and a bit unpredictable minutes as well. You know, there's not really much consistency that's not helping, you know, when you're trying to build chemistry and it's one of these things where just this group just doesn't seem to mesh as well together. And I don't think it's a knock necessarily on any one of these players. I just think as a whole, this talent level on the team just isn't up to par with what we've seen. And, you know, one thing that you emphasize, which I think is so important, is just the shooting percentage. You know, you look at the stats against Boston College, we shot 33% from the field, 19% from three. You want to go look at it against Syracuse, we're 31% from the field, 23% from three. Mm -hmm. You know, there are major shooting problems going on. And you look at this offense and... You know, Tony Bennett's offenses are normally so efficient. That's like the calling card is, hey, you know, we maybe not be scoring a lot of points, but if you're, you know, having a great, you know, point per possession average or being very efficient, you know, it's great and it can be effective. And that's just not the case this year. We're not really good at anything offensively. We don't have a dominant big man. Mamadi hasn't 
quite lived up to the expectations we wanted to see from him. You know, adjusted defense, we're number two in the country. We're doing great. Adjusted offense, we're the 230th team in the country. Normally, we're top five in both categories. And, you know, we're we're talking about shooting percentages. Let's take a look at the free throws. Um, Against Boston College, we we hit 16 out of 20. Really good free throw shooting night. Braxton was 6 of 7. Kihei was 6 of 6. Really good on them. But against Syracuse, we only hit 6 of 11 free throws. Jay was 0 of 5 in regulation. So in the first 40 minutes of the game, he was 0 of 5. If he hits one of those, we win the game. And we don't even have to go to overtime. Yeah. And that's just something that you wish you had back. And he's a good shooter from far. Like he, this is something that, you know, he needs to work on. And, you know, I he said after the game that, you know, that hurts and he was going to shoot free throws after, you know, after the interview and everything like that. But you can't get that back. And he, he and, you know, I mean, he scored 16 of our points. He was 7 of 12 from the field. Didn't shoot a three with 10 rebounds. But still a tough game for Jay, just missing those free throws. Ended up being two of seven at the end. But, you know, it's 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 missed shots, missed opportunities. And I think another important thing to mention is that in both games, both Boston College and Syracuse, we were up by five with not that much to play. And we we were ahead in both games. And we lost the lead. And we were Syracuse was able to battle back, force overtime. And then hit every shot in overtime, which was frustrating, including that ridiculous hat, you know, third third of a court heave from Buddy Bayheim. And then Boston College, you know, hit that tough shot with about a minute left in the corner, put him up three, and then we just had to start fouling, and it just you know spiraled from there. So it's been tough to watch, and I think I think something that's you know the reason why it's tough is because even back in the day, you know, think back to two thousand. 13 2014 you know those years where we were just starting to get really good we got that first one seed 2013-14 season but you know we weren't always scoring a lot of points but at least we were still winning we were scoring enough points to win and this time our defense is still elite still the best in the country however our offense cannot get over the hump they cannot score enough points and it's not even that the teams were playing are really good Syracuse was eight and seven when we met them you know the zone it's tough, but there is a strategy to beat it. We've already beat it once this season, and we could not get around the zone. And our teams have realized that we are the worst shooting, we are the worst three-point shooting team in the country, uh, in the Power Five conferences. Mm-hmm. And they realize that if they just slough in, and I, I, I'd be surprised if every team does not do this from now on. If they just pack the paint and let us shoot, that's gonna be fine. I mean, there was no one around Cody. There was no one around Kihei. They leave Casey wide open in the corner. Uh, they leave World of Tensai open. World of Tensai was two of nine against Syracuse. Like, they will let us take deep shots, and we need to start hitting some. And I mean, it just comes down to shooting. Syracuse is just appalling. Like, looking at the three-point percentages. Yeah. Kihei was three for nine, which is by far the most respectable on the team. Right. Mamadi was one for three, but the three he made was in overtime. It was garbage time. Was the pointless. game was decided. Was point- and he also jacked up two other ones during that time, yeah. too. Braxton, one for five. Cody, one, oh for four. Thomas, two for nine. Casey Morcello for one. I mean, seven for 31 is... And Jay didn't take any. Yeah, and that's another thing with Jay Huff. It's, you know, he's, you got to think... How, and I don't know if this is a Jay Huff segment, and I don't know if it even really matters, but Jay Huff, you're trying to figure out how to use a guy with his talents, and we just haven't found out a way to do it. And 
it's not a slight against Jay. It's not necessarily a slight against Tony, but for a, a team as offensively challenged as this team, for Jay Huff to be shooting 31% from three, he's six of 19 on the season. For a guy that, honestly, Jay Huff might be the purest three-point shooter on this team right now, mm-hmm. and that the fact that he only has 19 three-point attempts on the season, they just haven't found a way to really utilize his strength. And you know, I think... I don't I, know if they ever will, by the way, because this is what we talked about I, last I, year. I agree. Jay Huff segment. Here it is. We're talking about Jay Huff now. <laughs> but the thing with Jay Huff is he he's a great talent and he's got so much, you know, there, there's so much so many different things he can do. He can take you off the dribble. He can he can take one dribble from the three point line and dunk it. He can shoot. He can uh hook he can do give you a hook shot. He can do he had two put back dunks yesterday. He's electric. But is he a fit for the offense that Tony is running? And I don't know if there's a right answer to that because, you know, if we look back to last year, Tony changed the offense to fit the players. And I don't think that he's quite done that this year because we still see Jay trying to set screens up top. And there's just, you know, he's just too easy to get by. Now he's not that big. Now he's a, he's pretty skinny. So if you're looking at like a Jack Salt type of, or a Kafaro kind of player, Great screen setters, perfect for the perfect for the, you know, the offense that Tony wants to run. However, Jay is not meant for that. He is a pick and pop kind of guy. He is a back to the basket kind of guy. He can take you off the dribble. You need to do different things with him, and they have not been doing that. And it's kind of like trying to shove a a circle square peg into a square peg. yeah there's something like that oh it kind of fits it's like a puzzle piece that isn't supposed to fit but it kind of does it's like you shove it in there the puzzle looks kind of weird but it and it kind of works but then the other pieces don't fit and so this is kind of where we're at where jay does not quite fit in with what we're trying to do and i think that we just don't have the right pieces for the offense that we're trying to run and the offense that we've run for you know forever since tony's been here and i think it comes down a lot of it to consistency and i think Mm-hmm. You know, with to Tony's in Tony's defense, it's tough to kind of mold an offense around people when you don't really know what's showing up night to night. You know, you have guards that are so inconsistent shooting. You have big men who are you know here and there, and you don't necessarily know what and they've to had, expect. They've been, foul, they've been foul trouble the past two games as well. That's been a huge problem for Jay and Mamadi. Um, You know, Mamadi got two fouls in the first minute against Boston College. He didn't play that first you know for for like 10 or 12 minutes in the first half yeah it's it's tough to really mold a game plan around a group of players that are that inconsistent and i mean you got talk about our big men too you know kafaro's playing a little bit but really you know the hope before the season was you know the big men were going to be jay and Mamadi, and neither mm-hmm. of those guys are bangers they're not super physical they're players that excel in space and I think that's what you saw, especially in the tournament last year with Mamadi, with the ability to hit shots, with the ability to stretch mm-hmm. the floor. You know, Mamadi had more space, more room to create, and that's when he was really at his best. And that's that because, six game run. That's and because, we don't have that this year. That's because we had three people who could shoot from NBA range. We had Dre, who shot really well last year, forty four percent, forty five percent. Kyle, who could shoot any shot on the floor, and Ty, who has the biggest nuts any of anyone and shoots from half court all the time so you're you're talking about three of the best shooters that we've had I mean you can look at Joe you can look at Malcolm you can look at London but like I think I would pick I think any I, I I think I would pick Ty Kyle or Dre over any of those other guys 
Oh yeah, for yeah. shooting and, uh, not, and no question. We 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 had such an it, uh, outpouring of scoring from them, and we have lost all of that. And I think that I'm okay with it. First of all, like we won the national championship, it is fine. We knew this was going to happen. However, that doesn't mean we can't have expectations for the team, right? We we have been a good team for so long, but we need to. I think it's still okay to criticize how the team is playing. Just because we want a natty doesn't mean we can't criticize. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing. That's like one of my pet peeves is like people and I'm on the message boards and I'm on Twitter yeah. and I read a lot of this stuff and it doesn't matter. We won the day. Yeah. Th- that drives me crazy. Like I hate li- that. anytime we lose a game where it's like, Oh, but we won a national championship. I, so it's okay. It was like, yeah, like we knew, we knew this was going to be a transition. year. I but- sold my soul to win that national championship. I said it was, I said, everyone should leave. Mommy probably should have left. I mean, at this point, I bet Mamadi wishes he left. I, mean, I know. I think I don't think his draft stock's getting any higher at this oh, point. Oh, neither do I. And, He's not helping himself. And I, but I'm still allowed to be upset that we are losing to god awful teams at home. It uh, and you know it's just there's so many things wrong with these teams and not wrong, but like they aren't playing well. And I think I'm okay to be upset by that. Yeah, and I mean I think that's a great transition because I want to get a little bit macro here because obviously you know we knew expectations were going to be lower this season i mean heck, mm-hmm. we might even we might not even make the tournament at this rate we're not making the tournament i don't it you know and some people have said you know we're definitely making the tournament but the acc even though it's a down year for the acc i think you know you look at carolina is really bad carolina is probably not making the tournament uh uva really bad duke and duke's really been consistent fsu's been really consistent and louisville's has good players but hasn't really produced at the rate that a lot of people thought they would. But other than that, it seems wide open for spots four through fifteen. Yeah. And you know, even the bad teams like Tech just beat NC State the other night. And a lot of people thought that was not very strange, but Tech is not good this season. Like we beat Tech by like twenty plus twenty five points. And NC State has been playing well. I, I, it's just a it's it's been crazy and so i don't really trust our team against any acc team we can lose any game oh 100%, in the acc 100 and in in past years that hasn't been the case we, we like we'd go to you know clemson and say easy win you know blossom game's gonna hit 30 That's it. no one else is gonna hit any shots we're gonna win by 20 it's gonna be great but now it's like okay we might go to fsu on wednesday and lose by 18 points we are 10 point underdogs yeah, and Florida State's number ten in the country right yeah. now. They might go up before they'll, they'll the They'll probably go up, but and we'll definitely go down. Yeah, we sure. won't be ranked for sure. I, I think it's just you know, it's been a lot. It's been a lot different than it was the especially the past two years. I mean, even going back to the UMBC year, like we were doing, we were number one in the country for a lot of that year, especially at the back half. And so it's been really, a, I think, a challenge for a lot of fans to accept that you know we're just not a good team we're not a great team this year we're not even a good team this year and i think the biggest reason we're not a great team is just because we don't have the personnel i'm mm-hmm. a big believer in players players make the plays you know not to be cliche <laughs> but it's the players who make the difference and you need to have a good coach you need to have a good structure and program management in place but players make the real difference yeah and this is what what i was talking to dustin about is you know just like going through these recruiting classes I mean, this is really, obviously, it's like so easy to say for anyone who's as caught up in the program as we are to know that this was going to be a down year. But you just look at the way the recruiting classes fell, and it's just it just makes so much sense. And 
it's a shame because, you know, we talk about Virginia as a developmental program, a program that can raise players above kind of what their recruiting rankings are. And that's still probably the case. But the baseline, even, you know, we talk about like Malcolm Brogdon, how he became a first team All-American. Malcolm Brogdon was a top 100 recruit. You know, mm-hmm. so was uh, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. Evan Hunt. Nolte. Yeah, all we these for- guys. People were. forget. Yeah. So like when you look at these recruiting rankings, you know, you, Mamadi Diakite was technically because he enrolled early, um, not counting the same recruiting class as Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, Jay Huff. But he was effectively in that class. Yeah. That class was so good. That class was number seven in the country. And part of that was volume, but a lot of that was just straight talent. All those guys were four-star, in some cases, five-star players. Well, let's look at the next class, the class of 2017 that comes in. Marco Anthony, Francisco Badoki, neither of, the, of those guys are, are on the team right now. Both of those guys were very average recruits. And and not not to say that they don't have their reasons for leaving. Like, Marco definitely was not going to be, I mean, I mean, he would have been playing a lot this year, I think. However, it was probably, a, a, he needed... I think a new space and Badoki, you know, his heart wasn't in it. His heart is in music and that's perfectly fine. However, we did. Now we have two transfers based off of those departures. We've got Wolda Tensai who has, you know, definitely not performed to the level that a lot of people thought he would this season, especially with his shooting. And we also got Hauser um, who we don't have this year. He'll, He'll be there next year. And he's a great talent, a great score, but we don't have him this year. And yeah. so that, you know, we don't have the people that we need right now. And then the class of 2018, it was a three-person class with Francisco Cafaro, Cody Statman, and Kihei Clark. Again, none of these guys were, you know, these fantastic standout players. Now, Cafaro got a late jump um, or bump, that is, in his rankings just based on his international performances. He ended up as a four-star, but I think everybody knew Cafaro was going to be a project. He redshirted last year. He's battled some injuries both last year and this year. Cody Statman comes in. Cody Statman, another guy who we knew was going to be a project, ends up deciding he doesn't want a redshirt. He wants to play last year. I don't know if it was necessarily the most beneficial thing for him in the program, but I think we're still another year away from, and maybe he never shows and is like this player that, you know, it's tough to say, but I think we're a year away from saying this is what Cody Statman is still at this point. And then Mm -hmm. Kihei Clark, who obviously you know, had his moments here and there last year, but there was still a lot of talk about Kihei Clark struggling at times and He's probably the most consistent player on our team, but he is, you know, really, really hampered by the fact that, you know, he's the only ball handler out there. So some games there's a lot of turnovers and, you know, there's some bad decisions that are made sometimes that are on him. At the same time, it's tough to blame him always for these things because he doesn't have any help. There's no one else that can mm-hmm. handle the ball. He's playing 39 minutes a game. Yeah. It's it's a tough situation to put him in, especially when he's five foot nine and half the time when he gets in the lane, he's going to get blocked. Right. So, you know, you have that big class with you know uh Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, followed by two very very average classes and then you bring in this year's class which was rated higher, it was rated number 23 in the country by 24/7, but you look at this class, Caden Shedrick, redshirting, Justin McCoy, a late addition. I think we're finding out he's more in the mold of a bigger court, more front court guy as opposed to mm-hmm. the wing, which was kind of iffy, you know, there was the conversation when we recruited him, is he more of a wing, is he more of a front court Isaiah Wilkins guy? think more of the latter. Yeah. And then Casey Morsell, he's just poor guy, is just struggling mightily offensively to find mm-hmm. a shot and it's not really helping his case. So we we're really in we've suffered I don't want to say suffer, but we've been through two very, very average recruiting classes. And now yeah. this year's freshman class, while I still think it has great upside, 
you know, they're not contributing at the level that we really expected them to. I, I want right to talk. Now. I want to go back and talk about last year's class. So Kihei, Kafaro, and Statman, and all those guys are contributing in their own way. I think with Kafaro, we're going to find out in a couple of years that he's going to be a very, very similar mold to Jack Salt, probably with a little bit more offense, and that's what a lot of people have been saying. But if people remember, Jack Salt was not great his freshman year either. He played a little bit more, I think, because of you know his his screen setting. And I think with this year, I think you know we don't need it as much because we've got such better scores than Kafaro. But I think that in a couple of years, we're going to see that Kafaro is really talented, and we will you know hopefully find that once he gets his defense a little bit better. Uh, Statman, really good. On de- much better on defense than I thought he would be. A great disruptor in passing lanes. Not finding his shot. You know, he was he came in known as a shooter. And this is something that, you know, with with international recruits, sometimes hard to judge because we don't have a lot of film on them. We can't really see their talent except in like national international showcases, which is fine. But Cody has not been shooting as well as many had hoped he would. And Kihei, you know, we don't win the tournament last year without Kihei, for sure. We probably lose against Oregon if we don't have Kihei. But this year, he is in a much different role than he was last year. Doesn't have the shooters, doesn't have the talent around him. So he not only has to be the leader on the floor, but he also has to be like the main scorer. Like Kihei was not the primary ball handler against the zone in the second half. They put Kihei on the wing. They put Cody at the top because Cody was not shooting well, and Kihei was the only one who was hitting any shots. So that's kind of where Kihei's at, and that's not his role. Like His role is a great ball handler. He is a good distributor, but this year he's being asked to do too much. And I mean, you can look at the the play that where I put my, hand, my head in my hands yesterday was when he tried to lob it to, I think it was Mamadi, and it just went off the top corner of the <laughs> backboard and like bounced all the way back out to half court. It was an awful pass, and he was trying to force something that wasn't there, and that's just kind of the story of the season where, you know, Kihei is being asked to do a little bit too much because there's no one else that is able to do that. This, this season, you know, I like Justin McCoy's development. I think he'll be good, a solid player down the road. I don't really know where his offense is at, and that's my concern with him. Yeah, I think the Isaiah Wilkins comp is pretty much he, where I'm at right he's now. Got, he's got great hustle, and he's got great motor. Like, he, he gets rebounds. He dives for balls. I love that. I love it. He's going to get a Tony Bennett high five one day. I can tell. Oh, yeah. I can tell. Casey, <laughs> he's the type of player Tony will love. Casey's got Casey's got one this season. Kihei's got a couple this season. But uh, we we need a Tony Bennett high five counter. Well, Kihei's got to get a lot of them. Kihei's got at least two this season. I think Casey has one. But I think the uh, Justin McCoy comparison is important because he's the type of player that can thrive in the right role mm-hmm. and within the right team but he's i don't think he's the type of guy that's really going to elevate a team necessarily on his own you know no. he might get these hustle plays right he might play well defensively you know i think isaiah wilkins comparison is very very accurate with like, what we've seen like so far. isaiah was the heart and soul of that uh, team from 2017-2018 however he he didn't bring a lot on offense and they did end up losing to a 16 seed and yeah. so you know, there's not always it's not always the best type of player, but you just need you, you do need those hustle kind of plays and great lockdown defenders like Isaiah, and hopefully Justin can kind of fit into that role. I want to talk about Casey for a little bit because Casey uh, was the highest rated recruit in this class by far, uh, best player 
one of the best players from the D.C. area. Um, also played on one of the best AAU teams in the country. So he was not a diamond in the rough, as the BC announcers were saying. However, he is a really good player. And he came in, I think people knew him for his offense. People expected him to start at least midway through the year because of his offense. People thought his offense was going to keep him on the floor because we weren't. We really didn't have any other guards who could score. We knew that coming into the season. Mm-hmm. But now it's his defense that's keeping him on the floor because his offense, frankly, is making him play less because his offense has not been great. He's he's able to finish around the rim really well. And a couple times a game, he'll talk, he'll try these step-back shots that sometimes go in, and you can see that the talent is there, and he's he's got the skill necessary to be a good shooter. However, he is just bricking threes left and right. And he is – I think he's been sick the past two games. That's why he – he only played nine minutes against Syracuse and only 12 against Boston College. But, man, he, he has struggled from shooting from three. And I, that that is, I think, the biggest surprise of the season is that Casey Morsell has not really been that offensive guy that we thought he could be. Like a lot of people were saying Malcolm Brogdon 2.0. And his defense is there, but his offense has a long way to go if he wants to be anything kind of like what Malcolm was. Yeah, I mean, with Cody Statman and Casey Morsell, I mean, Casey Morsell, 14% from three on the season. Cody Statman, 19% from three on the season. It's been rough. That's, that's all you need it's to know. It's been rough. That's all you, when your two options at the two guard, the shooting guard, are shooting like that, that's all you need to know. Well, really, Cody's been playing the three. So, like, our two starting guards, yeah. like, Cody Cody and Casey have started games together. And when they're two, two of our starting guards are shooting that poorly, it, it's just set, it sets a bad tone. And it's really... <laughs> You can't go anywhere else, but but up from where we're at. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess we could still go down. <laughs> I don't really want to. I don't want to see what it's like. But I think that I, I'm still. And here's the thing: I'm still hopeful. There's still time to turn it around. And at this point in the season, I think it's a confidence issue. Like we said this already this episode, Cody was passing off open looking threes to Kihei. And one time it worked out, but a couple of times it just wasted time on the clock and people were leaving him open and he wasn't shooting. And Kihei even kind of got into it with Cody at one point because he was like, you got to shoot that when you're open because that's what you're supposed to do against the zone. Like you got to shoot over it sometimes. And I think Cody lacks confidence. Casey doesn't like confidence, which is a good thing, but he's got to start making some. Yeah. And I think luckily there's still time in the season to get there but you know at some point you have to start making shots and I don't know if that's a I don't know how the coaches approach that like do you do you just practice that in, in practice do you do confidence drills do you I don't know what how to fix it but there's still time yeah and I mean I should have brought this up earlier Thomas Woldetensai he's shooting 28% from three which is I better mean, however it just got to be better man across the board it's got to be better he had a really good stretch i think through december where he shot really well and he's kind of fallen back down through january yeah a two of nine against syracuse is bad yeah it's it's rough um anyway not not to continue this sob story but are there any other points you want to bring is up me. <laughs> are there any other points relevant to this basketball team that you want to bring up because I, I feel like we've hit a lot of them, and I don't think it's that complicated. I think personnel-wise, we're not as talented as we were the past few years. Really, the past, maybe since 2013, 2014, you know, since before that team, kind of that era, I think this is the least talented team we've had, and I think it's that simple. One one last thing about recruiting is we do have a great class coming in this year. We got Carson McCorkle, who committed right after the UMBC loss, which kind of, you know, was 
reassuring for a lot of people. We had uh, we have Reese Beekman, who also committed great point guard from Louisiana, and we've got a great strong forward in Jibri Abdurrahim, who was our last commit, uh, one of the highest rate recruits Tony's ever gotten, and he's a bucket just in yeah, a word and he's awesome. he he can score and we we I mean we people said Casey could score coming in Jabri Abdul Rahim can score and if you've got a chance to check out his highlight videos do it because he he can score from anywhere so next year I mean we've got an influx of talent Hauser's going to be able to play next year and you know Kihei will be back Jay will be back so we've got a lot of people coming back next year it's just this year is just a rebuilding year and it's a year to like just it's it's kind of a survival year you know it's kind of like just try and get to the end just try and keep games close and just hope that some shots go in yeah um one one last thing i want to bring up is a leadership standpoint from this team and i think last year something that's overlooked is you know we lost a lot of scores last year we lost kyle who was most most valuable player in the tournament we had we lost ty who was not only a great ball handler but also a great scorer he could score from really anywhere on the court. And Dre, who, when he decided to, could score anywhere at will, uh, whether it was a post-up, whether it was a mid-range shot, or was it, whether it was a three. And also Jack Salt. All of all four of them had leadership roles on the team, each in their own way. Jack was really good at setting the tone right at the beginning of the game. He was good at enforcing people. He was good at kind of keeping people up at Ty and Kyle were great at keeping teammates going, making sure they were all doing their job. Dre set, you know, led by example. He was more quiet, but he led by example, kind of in the way that he carried himself. And just not only did we lose all that scoring, we lost all that leadership. And I think that it's been difficult for Mamadi and for Braxton Key to kind of step into those roles a little bit. And I think Key Hayes kind of had to do that a little bit too, even though he's really young. And I think that there's no one to kind of keep this team going you know as I said earlier we were up by five with in both games and we just kind of let it slip away yeah that's not and, instances where you typically see normally that's when the chokehold comes on right. and Virginia that's just when that's when the avalanche comes yeah that's when the avalanche comes and and you know but but it's at those times that the team got sloppier is at those times where the team lost focus and we don't have that player who can really just kind of grab everyone and bring them back in and I don't know if we can get a player like that by the end of the season. I, I don't know what kind of leadership we have. I mean, Mommy's a great leader. He sets by example. Braxton, too, another quiet leader. But there's no one. Like, this is a story I was telling my dad earlier. Is last year when Mommy headbutted that guy in the Oregon game, right? He was hot. He was, like, really mad. And Kyle and Ty brought him. They calmed him down. And Mommy was, like, nodding. He was like, yeah, I got this. And he played a really good rest of the game. Didn't get into it with that guy. And there's no one like that this year who can do that. And, I mean, Braxton can try and calm him down. Kihei can try. Tony can try. But it's really having a presence on the court in those moments that really help keep people down or bring people back up, depending on where they're at. And I I just don't see that on the court this year. I mean, there's definitely leadership. but Do we know who our team captains are? I actually don't know that. I assume it's Mommy and Braxton. That would be my guess. But yeah, I mean, you talk about Mommy's a guy who's always been an emotional player. And at times, that was the strength of his game. He brought fun to the team when other guys weren't as and, kind and of... And he, and he still does that. He's still an emotional guy. But but at times, you know... Sometimes you need the studying presence. Sometimes you do. And sometimes you need like 
Like at times this year, Mamdi has been hot and he's been shooting well and he's he gets the ball and he takes to the basket. And other times he kind of gets lost. Like against Syracuse, you know, he was just kind of, and I know it's different against the zone, but he was just kind of sitting on the basket sometimes, like just waiting for a pass. And sometimes you just got to move around a little bit and there's no one who's telling him to do that. Like he can't focus on the guards and the bigs at the same time. Like you got to have a, a little bit of balance and we just don't have that balance and we don't have kind of those floor leaders that we've had in the past for, you know, and I mean, you can go back, you can look at Malcolm was a great leader. Uh, London, I think was really good at kind of keeping people up and down like that. And Kihei's going to get there, but I think that this year is not that year to have yeah. a great leader. And I think that's one of the bigger problems. I just hope this team makes the tournament. I, I just want to make the tournament. And I think it's going to be close. I think we're, we are squarely on the bubble. I think the net rankings had us at 64 the other day, which is, you know. That's tough to make the tournament. Last that. four in. <laughs> last four in. So I think I think we either just miss it or we get there because we were the national champions and they just kind of stick us into Dayton just to say that we got in again. But it, it's going to be close. And I think we need a good win against a good opponent to push us over the top because at this point we don't have a great win yeah it's got to start soon it's got to be florida state what do you what do you think our best win is so far um is it north carolina no it's not north well but north carolina had uh, cole anthony at the time yeah, but I don't know. But That's now we, true. Maybe now that we, they'll play that game kind of with the Zion thing last year. But now we realize they that. suck. Yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. Like, I don't we, know. is Virginia Tech our best win? That's what I was going to say. Is that Vermont might be. our best win? Potentially the way Virginia Tech plays the rest of the season. Maybe Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's our most impressive win. I don't know if it's it our is. best, but it's our most impressive. Just the way that game went. It, it is, but but at the same time, there there is no one else. Like, I mean, well, that's Air- the problem with the ACC so down. I mean, what Arizona, Florida State, Louisville, and Duke are ranked. The Arizona and State then- and UMass wins were were fine. You know, we didn't. Imp- we only scored forty eight against Arizona State. Uh, UMass, you know, not probably not a tournament team. Vermont might make the tournament if they win their if they win their uh, the, uh, the, 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 the conference, mm-hmm. right? Syracuse is you know barely at five hundred. We don't have a good win this year. We have several bad losses. But we don't have a good win. Yeah. And uh, we only have a couple chances this year to make that up. It starts, as you said, with Florida State on Wednesday, January 15th on ESPN2, which is good. Um, it, you know, we play Florida State twice, actually. So we got them again at home on January 28th. It's a Tuesday. We got Louisville at home um, twice, one at Louisville, one at home. This might be the year that Louisville beats us twice. And that makes me sad. Could very easily happen. Very. <laughs> Most likely. Very sad. Uh Notre Dame might end up being a good win. We get North Carolina again. Um, my guess is Cole Anthony's not going to come back this season, so he probably won't be there, and Carolina will still suck. Uh, we get Duke at home, which you know is a good chance for a good win, but Duke is playing so consistently right now that I don't think we have a great chance against them. And, I, you know, just, you know, Miami, I don't know, NC State, Clemson at home. Nothing stands out. Nothing is like, yeah, there's no great, games on left on our schedule and we could easily lose to nc state at home we could lose at wake forest there's no game that i feel super comfortable with me neither and and it's it's gonna be a heck of a season my heart is not ready 
do do not take blue chew <laughs> if you're watching these games because you need that blood in your heart oh because it's gonna be it's gonna be um it's gonna be a wild ride and if we're if we're going to overtime you know every other game it's gonna be tough yeah uh, I think do you have anything else for basketball I think that's basically it you know are we gonna be make the tournament I don't know do we have leadership can we shoot the ball no all yeah all all maybes, maybes or nos all maybes or nos. <laughs> Any any last words for basketball? Nah, I mean you you take what you get and hopefully hopefully this team will find something. Whatever they did against Virginia Tech, hopefully they find it again. Yeah. But it's it's gonna be a roller coaster. Yeah, it's and gonna be a one that's not the most fun. So it's like a roller coaster that is terrifying and you're not sure if you're gonna die or not. And I think <laughs> I think that's where we're at. I'm okay with it. Well, I, you just gotta roll with the punches. This but year. you know, it, it's it's also a, the bigger roller coaster of life, you know. Sometimes you got down years, sometimes you got up years. And we had a really high year last year. When you got a high year, you got to go way down. That's how roller coasters work. That's just science. Yeah, we're we're science guys. <laughs> guys and ties with science guys. Science guys. Uh, guys, okay. guys, guys, guys. Sorry, I was doing the Bill Nye. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's, let's get on. some yells. All right. Let's, let's get do some, some yells. Rob, I know you got a, a football one. Yeah. No, we got to talk about football now because football cheers me up these days. Um, <laughs> That's so weird, <laughs> right? Football's better than basketball. When was the last time that happened? Oh, man. Maybe. it's got. You got to go back to 2011? Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. If not, then maybe the Gator Bowl season. That was 07. 07. Somewhere in that range. Well, we were bad at basketball during that time, too. Yeah. It was a dark time. Somewhere in that range. Was that that Lado? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lado was 7 through after the 09. Tony came in 09. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, tough years. Definitely. Bad years. Well, anyway, football, anyone who hasn't listened to the Jeff White podcast with 2J, our offensive line coach, needs to listen to it. I'm not always the biggest like proponent of kind of like the school sponsored like content. You know, I love Jeff White and Jeff White's great at his job, but most of his podcasts are real softball questions. This wasn't it. There's a lot of good insight to the offensive line this year from that podcast. You know, just like quick nugget. Basically, 2J said basically pencil in Alex Gellerstat for starting tackle position. Uh, Oluwatimi was the highest rated player on the offensive line this year. Uh, he talked about wanting to move Rankinsmeyer inside to guard. Just a lot of good insight for people who like kind of the nitty-gritty details of football and even the offensive line. I, I can't tell you how great offensive linemen. I know when they're bad, but not necessarily when <laughs> they're good. It's easy to tell when they're bad. So, but anyway, a lot of good insight there. Highly recommend that podcast. 30 minutes with Garrett 2J. Worth your time. Good. And um, I've got a yell. I'm giving my yell to Dan Dockich. Uh announcer who called our game against Syracuse yesterday we're recording on Sunday but yesterday against Syracuse he also called our game against Purdue and uh, Dockich decided to compare Jay Huff to Anthony Davis one of the most dominant college basketball players of all time maybe the best player in the NBA right now I don't know if I see it it's a that's a tough sell for me (laughs) no way it's a tough sell and he doubled down on it later in the first half and uh, but then he he really turned on us at the end of the game, called called the calls uh, on us that were called for us soft, and the ones that were against us uh, good fouls. And uh, I think he hates us. And I think when he calls our games, we play bad. And I think that's how 
I'm going to decide uh, my life now. <laughs> <laughs> just anti-Dan Dockage. I'm not anti-Dan Dockage. I just don't want him to call our games because <laughs> we play bad and he hates us. So that's how it is. It's tough, man. Thank you, Dan Dockage. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. All right. And with that, I think that's it for us today. So sorry it was kind of a down episode. Hopefully, we got some good news next week, but we will see. So thank you so much for listening. This has been the Guys and Ties podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Guys and Ties pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram, at Guys and Ties pod. Rob's got the bonus content coming, you know, whenever he does. He... He's busy. Every so we had some bonus content this week, actually. Oh, yeah? With the great uh hoodies you've put together. We had yeah. to show the world. So yeah. those were great. Great hoodies. I got I got some hoodies for Christmas and uh wearing it right now, great for recording. And we can show those off on Twitter as well. And make sure to follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening to the Guys and Ties podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Go who's beat four state. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.